America spends five to ten times more on health care than any other country in the world. Then why does America rank number 43 worldwide for longevity? Third world countries such as Cuba and Costa Rica rank higher than the U.S. So what's wrong with health care in America? This is what's wrong. Our $3 trillion healthcare industry is focused on disease management, while 70% of our planet relies on traditional indigenous medicine that is focused on health optimization. Learn how. Join Dr. Dan Royal on the show, The Royal Treatment, bringing you the latest information on the best of medicine, biotechnology, and pharmacology, as well as secrets from the past. These secrets have withstood the test of time and are being rediscovered today. In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal. Greetings, listeners. I am Dr. Dan Royal, and you are now listening to The Royal Treatment. We're here every week to answer health questions. And hopefully, you have questions. That means you're thinking. Good for you. If you have a question and you would like to send it to me, you can always email me directly at droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. That's D as in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at royalmedicalclinic.com. All one word, dot com. Or you can call us here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic here in Las Vegas at 702-562-1454, 702-562-1454. Turtle Healing Band Clinic is one of our sponsors, and we thank them for that. They're under the jurisdiction of the Crow Indian Nation, along with the First Nation Medical Board that licenses practitioners of non-conventional but traditional alternative therapies. We're grateful that they do that because physicians need licenses. You know that. They're licensed in all 50 states, but no 50 states license them for indigenous medicine. Only one state in this country licenses for the practice of homeopathic medicine, and that is Arizona. Those boards are going the way of the dodo. So, Thankfully, the Indian nation has stepped up to exercise some jurisdiction over this area, which right they were given by the United States government in the United States Code, where the United States did not want to accept any liability for it and left it all up to the Indians. So we have them to think if alternative medicine is going to be, well, preserved, promoted, protected for future generations. We need your support as well. Why? Well, because this is all about investing in our health, health optimization. I had a patient here just yesterday who's paying $900 a month for his sick care insurance. And guess what? He's using little or none of it because all the things that he's doing to treat his, in this case, MS or muscular dystrophy, are health-related treatments for which he has to pay out of his pocket on top of what he's paying for his so-called health insurance. We call it sick care disease management. It's designed to help you in emergencies. If you need an operation or if you're involved in a motor vehicle accident, you're covered once you've paid your deductible. But there are also health programs. Health programs are the opposite, the antithesis of sick care disease management. And we have those applications available. In fact, we make them available to our patients. If you're interested, of course, you can always email me and I'll send you one. But it's the old health insurance that used to be available from major insurance companies. It was called Major Medical. You had a low premium, a high deductible, and a health savings account, meaning you could put money aside that was tax deductible that you could use for investing in your health, whether it was to pay your chiropractor or to buy your supplements. You had control over those funds. And instead of paying maybe $900 a month, maybe you're paying $200 a month, and the difference goes into your pocket investing in your health, which no sick care disease insurance in this country is going to do, mark my words. You have to take responsibility for your own health. And with that, each and every week, we like to review the obituaries. Who does that? Nobody. We're the only one who actually looks at who's dying too young from disease they shouldn't have had anywhere in the world. Nobody seems to care, but the trends are there. Average life expectancy is decreasing. As you know, the listeners to this program, average life expectancy has decreased in the United States for the last three years in a row. That's 
2015-16-17, awaiting these statistics from 2018, which should be available shortly. And then we can say that has decreased, the average life expectancy, that is, four years in a row, setting a new record for the United States. The last time it decreased three years in a row was in the years 1916, 17, 18. What is the average life expectancy in the United States? Many of you probably know. It is 78.5 years of age. Now, for women, it's a little higher, about 81. For men, it's a little lower, about 76. But the average age is about 78 and a half years of age. How long do you want to live to be? Well, it's a good question. No matter how long you want to live, you should live with a good quality of life. Remember, the oldest woman in the world just passed away this year in January. She was a 129, 129 years old. The oldest man in the world recently passed away. How old was he? He was 115 years of age. So some people seem to be getting it right. They are living longer, and hopefully they're living longer because they're healthier. Well, we're going to look first at those who died too young from disease they shouldn't have had locally. And now when I say locally, I'm talking about here in Las Vegas, where I live in practice, as well as in Reno. Those are the two major metropolitan areas in the state of Nevada. First, we have a 37-year-old woman, a free spirit, who had a sudden passing. Usually means that she died from sudden death syndrome or heart attack. 40-year-old man passed away, leaving behind one daughter. Now, they don't always tell us why they died, but you should think about writing your own obituary for your future descendants. They need to know who you were and when you were born, how you lived, what you did for a living, and what you died from. That can be important information, but often the important information seems to be left off many of the obituaries, so Sometimes we have to do a little detective work. We have a 42-year-old man, a preacher in his own ministry. He passed away from leukemia. He had been previously diagnosed in August of 2018. 48-year-old man who worked in the hospitality industry died away. A 53-year-old man passed away, leaving behind two children and four grandchildren. A 53-year-old woman passed away, leaving behind a husband and no children. A 54-year-old man who served in the army passed away. 62-year-old man passed away, leaving behind a female companion and no children. We have a 64-year-old woman who worked in Rhodes Ranch. She worked in Rhodes Ranch, the association there, passed away from colorectal cancer. She'd been previously diagnosed in 2017. And we have a 66-year-old man who ran a family bottling company, passed away unexpectedly but peacefully in his home. 67-year-old woman passed away also unexpectedly. And here we have a 67-year-old man who worked for the local laborers union, passed away with his daughter at his side. A 71-year-old man, a civil engineer, passed away after a prolonged illness. 71-year-old woman, a registered nurse, passed away unexpectedly. 72-year-old man, a member of the Teamsters Union, passed away after a hard-fought battle against cancer. Nobody seems to win that battle. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. You're listening to The World Treatment. We're going to continue our review of obituaries, people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had here locally and internationally coming back. After forming all the organs and body components necessary for human life, stem cells disappear, right? No. Stem cells are present in all of us just waiting for an opportunity to regenerate organs, joints, ligaments, muscles, and other body tissues they originally formed. Dr. Dan Royal has developed a unique patent-pending process for obtaining stem cells from your own blood. Stem cells can be concentrated, prepared, and delivered to areas where you need them most to repair old, damaged, and dying cells. Can your own stem cells help rejuvenate your body? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Your own naturally occurring stem cells are the ultimate anti-aging treatment. They can be used to improve facial appearance and hair growth, as well as for aches, pains, and other conditions. Could your own stem cells help you achieve optimal health and wellness? Find out by calling Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454. Don't wait. Call today. That number again is 702-562-1454. Call Saracen Dental because you're worth it. They can make your smile perfect. You're gonna love your new smile. Saracen Dental for a perfect smile. 
Sursic Dental has a $125 special that includes a cleaning, x-rays, a free Sonicare toothbrush, and a free cosmetic makeover consultation. Call 827-1113. Wynema Ranch Wild Horse Sanctuary, a preserve dedicated to keeping America's wild mustangs and burros running free. Wynema Ranch, 29 miles north of Reno near Hallelujah Junction. An amazing sight to visit. Over 130 of God's majestic animals at home on the range. Experience the beauty and wonder. Give at WynemaRanch.com. That's W-Y-N-E-M-A Ranch.com or call 775-384-4444. Wynema Ranch. As humans, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions. But what if we were forced to ask ourselves a question every day that affected the outcome of the most basic things, the most important things in our lives? The question is, what is your sexual orientation or gender identity? And the answer is the difference between keeping your job or getting fired. The answer is the difference between staying in your home or getting evicted. The answer is the difference between receiving medical treatment or not. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against people based on their answer to this question. LGBT Americans have the right to say, I do, but they don't have the same basic rights as everyone else. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. Unable to listen to the whole show? A recording of today's program will be available later today. Visit americamatters.us and click on the podcast link. Now, back to the show. We are back to the show, and thank you for sticking with us for the second quarter of our show. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, after we finish our review of the obituaries, we're going to be talking about some current events, recent studies that have been published that you should probably know about. And I hope to get to a discussion towards the end of the program about something you should know about. It's very important. It's in your food. It is a type of pesticide commonly used throughout the country, actually in the world, called Roundup. You've probably seen lots of commercials about that, but we're going to talk about some of the downsides of that towards uh, the, the later in the program. So let's continue our discussion. We're talking about people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. Remember that the average age and the or average life expectancy in the United States is about 78 and a half years of age. We're still looking at people locally who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. We have a 72-year-old man, a programmer for IBM. He passed away. 73-year-old man, a regional manager for Abco Financial Services, passed away in his home. Seems like the cause of death in many people is a big secret. Shouldn't be. It's important. We need to know. 78-year-old man, a researcher for nuclear waste disposal, passed away after a long illness. That often means cancer. At least that's been my experience. 78-year-old man, a master electrician and electrical contractor, passed away from pancreatic cancer. 79-year-old man, a Transworld Airlines pilot, passed away after an eight-year battle with pulmonary fibrosis. That's a scarring of the lungs. 79-year-old man who had a career in law enforcement passed away from cancer and died in hospice. I'm not sure that's where you want to be when you die, but it's very difficult to care for someone who is sick and dying. So at least we have someplace where they can die with dignity. 79-year-old woman, a mother of two children, passed away after a four-year battle with breast cancer. An 80-year-old man who worked as a Baccarat dealer passed away after having heart transplant and lung cancer. Well, now let's look at international celebrity notables who passed away just this last week from diseases they shouldn't have had at ages they were too young to die of. We have Yukihiro Taiguchi, Japanese actor, died at 34 years of age from congestive heart failure. Now, I don't know his weight. That's usually something we see in older people, unless he had a viral condition such as cytomegalovirus that can cause a cardiomyopathy and congestive heart failure. We have Alejandro Cellular, 
Colombian chef was found dead at 34 years of age in his hotel room in Malaysia from a cardiac abnormality. Again, he could have been overweight. I don't have the details on that. We have Bad As, American rapper, died at 43 years of age while being held in detention center on felony drugs and weapons charges. Again, don't know exactly why he died. He was in jail at the time and didn't have access to anything. Fabio XB, Italian trance music disc jockey, producer and remixer, died at 44 years of age from leukemia. That's a blood type of cancer. Nancy Bruning, New Zealand actress, died at 48 years of age after battling cancer for nine years, although it was reported she died of a, quote, mysterious illness, unquote. It was not mysterious. It was cancer. Swalanke Zekawu, South African royal king of the Chausa people, died at 51 years of age after being unwell for some time. Cause of death not specified. Tom Spurgeon, American comics critic and editor, died at 51 years of age. No cause of death, but he was grossly overweight. Daduk Ferianto, Indonesian musician, died at 55 years of age from a heart attack. Josephus Thimster, Dutch fashion designer, died at 57 from suicide. He had a history of depression for which he took SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. As we've talked about on the show before, if you're increasing serotonin in the brain, that's actually a stress hormone and can make you worse. SSRIs have a side effect that is known as suicide. In other words, you can take an antidepressant, but it may make you worse and lead you to suicide, perhaps even worse, even homicide. Mitsushia Taguchi, Japanese soccer player, died at 50 I'm sorry, died at 64 years of age from respiratory failure. Jorge Vergara, Mexican businessman and film producer, died at 64 years of age from a heart attack. Gordy Goss, Canadian politician and speaker of the Nova Scotia House of Assembly, died at 64 years of age from cancer. Winston Lacken, Surinamese Minister of Foreign Affairs, died in his home at 64 years of age after being sick for some time, probably cancer. Johan Wajudi, Indonesian badminton player, died at or 1990, he was a 1977 world champion. He died at 66 years of age. Mark Caddy, American judge, chief justice of the Iowa Supreme Court, died at 66 years of age from a heart attack. Diane Lerfler, American member of the Minnesota House of Representatives, died at 66 years of age from battling cancer that returned a second time. Fabrizio Nassi, Italian Olympic volleyball player in 1976 and 1980, died at 68 years of age from a terrible disease, which I can only surmise was cancer. Stefan Albert, Australian indigenous actor and singer, died at 69 years of age in his hospital bed in Perth, Australia. Now, you may wonder why I say a terrible disease was caused by cancer. Well, in the industrialized nations across the world, cancer is now becoming the number one cause of death. Typically, it's been number two. Heart disease has been number one. But cancer is making progress, becoming the number one cause of death throughout the world. Rick Ludwin, American television executive for NBC, died at 71 years of age after a brief illness. Now, you'll notice that sometimes when people die from cancer, it's either after a long battle or a short battle. We don't know what it was in this case, but whatever it was, it was brief and relatively sudden. Ann Peoples, American member of the Maine House of Representatives, died at 72 years of age from a prolonged illness. There you go. Tony Mann, Australian cricketer for the national team, died at 74 years of age from pancreatic cancer. William McCoy, American speaker of Mississippi House of Representatives, died at 77 years of age from stroke complications. Ram Ray, Indian advertising professional, died at 77 years of age from a prolonged illness. William McCoy, but we already mentioned him. And finally, we have Noel Ignatiev, American author and historian, died at 78 years of age from an intestinal infarction. What that means is he had some type of stroke of the abdomen, not the brain. And the lack of blood flow caused some serious repercussions. You can have gangrene and die from the infection due to the lack of blood flow. A painful way to go. Well, that is the obituaries, a summary of people who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had locally and internationally. Now, we have some current events we'd like to talk about. Well, 
these are some things that have come out recently in publications, studies, that I wanted to share with you. A couple of them involved drugs. First, we wanted to look at a study where Xarelto, an anticoagulant, was being used. In this particular study, patients were actually harmed when given Xarelto. Now, you may notice on TV, there are many commercials that are advertising for a class action lawsuit. This doesn't relate directly to that, but it does involve the same drug. It was given to prevent valve service thromboembolism after a transcatheter aortic valve replacement. Now, they, many of these patients had no established indication for the medication, and that's what caused the problems. But normally when you have some type of cardiac issue, be it a surgery or a cardiac arrhythmia, the doctor will often prescribe an anticoagulant of some sort, and there are many different types. Xarelto happens to be one. Now, as for safety, it was tied numerically to more life-threatening, disabling, or major bleeds. This is in people it was supposed to help. It also led to a higher mortality uh, compared to antiplatelet therapy, such as aspirin, and the reason for that was unclear. Among patients assigned to Xarelto who died, only a minority had a major bleeding event, MI, or stroke, within 30 days before death, and most deaths occurred long after discontinuation of the trial jug. Xarelto. Most of the agitating causes of death in the Xarelto group were sudden or from unknown causes, as well as due to non-cardiovascular causes. Xarelto did not lead to a clinical benefit. While there was also more severe bleeding, it is enough to close the door on this anticoagulant at the dose tested, according to the researchers. It was terminated early by the data and safety monitoring board due to safety concerns. The open-label trial was conducted at 136 centers in 16 countries. That study was in its third phase. It is now over because, well, the drug had an unintended, an unanticipated side effect of death. Too many people died from taking the drug where they thought it might be indicated, but possibly wasn't. For patients who had an aortic valve replacement, that drug, again, is Xarelto. Now, there are many different ways. We've talked about how you can thin your blood naturally without using medications. You can simply add lemons and limes to your water. This increases something we call the zeta potential. That's a negative charge that should exist in your blood. And if there's a negative charge, there's also positive charges. And the negative charges helped like magnets to repel the blood cells from each other so they do not stick together. Now, this can be done quite simply. Lemons and limes. There's also a supplement you can take. It is known as turmeric or curcumin. What does it do? Well, there are many different blood clotting factors. You may know about vitamin K, for which cumin is prescribed, or platelets, for which aspirin is prescribed. But there's also fibrinogen. Fibrinogen breaks down to fibrin and thrombin that forms clots. It is the strongest of the clotting factors. What is it that inhibits fibrinogen? If you said turmeric or curcumin, you are correct. That is a natural product. Now, the difference in taking a natural product compared to some of the prescription drugs is you have to take them a little more frequently. You may have to take it twice a day or, depending on the seriousness of your condition, possibly three thing, three times a day. Same applies to thyroid. If you want active thyroid and you want to take it naturally, you're going to have to take it at least twice a day or three times. Why? Because active thyroid has a short half-life of 8 to 12 hours. And if you want that benefit, you're not going to get it from a prescription drug because it has no active T3. You're going to have to take the real thing. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. Listen to the Royal Treatment. We're going to continue our discussion about recent studies you need to know about. Stay right with us. Low-dose chemotherapy uses only 10 to 20% of full-dose chemo, and it's known as IPT, or insulin-potentiated therapy. It's one of the safest and most innovative approaches to treating cancer effectively. IPT virtually eliminates side effects of full-dose chemo, such as nausea, hair loss, and fatigue. Could IPT be the answer you've been searching for? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702 562 
1-800-273-1454. IPT uses low-dose chemo with insulin. Cancer cells have up to 20 times more insulin receptors and use up to 20 times more sugar than normal cells. That's why cancer cells thrive while normal cells struggle to survive. One study showed that using low-dose chemo with insulin resulted in a 10,000% increase in cancer-killing ability. Could IPT with low-dose chemo and insulin help you? Call Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454 to see if you qualify for IPT. That's 702-562-1454. Hey everyone, Dave Escher here introducing you to our new store, the Nevada Marketplace in the Reno Town Mall. Anchored with the Buy Nevada First gift shop, we've added over 60 micro shops, giving locals a place to set up their dream store. We are now 20,000 square feet strong, supporting over 250 local merchants with all things made in Nevada and more. We have more locals in one place than anywhere in the state, ready to help you find that perfect gift. We're open every day with easy parking at Peckham and Virginia. Go to buynevadafirst.com, your source for all things local. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. Head to toe, everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. To join the conversation, call 844-790-TALK. That's 844-790-8255. Now back to the show. We are back to the show, and before the break, we were talking about Xarelto that was being used in a large multi-center study, and the study was stopped because of an unintended consequence of that drug called death. Now, that was in the third phase of its study. Usually, the first stage is to determine whether or not a drug is safe. Do any of you know how many drugs actually make it out of the first phase? phase of a study, if you said 33% or about one-third, you are correct. That means most of the drugs, about two-thirds, don't even make it through the first phase of a clinical trial because the side effects are too severe. So my friends, don't be too quick to volunteer to be a guinea pig for a new drug study. It may have an unintended consequence for you known as death, or maybe it will just maim you for life. Be very careful. Now, there are also unintended consequences of drugs that are not known until after they're introduced into the market. So even though it's made it through a clinical study, has been introduced, there are still problems yet unknown that may occur with prescription drugs. These are not things you have to worry about with natural products, but prescription drugs have side effects And even though they're proof of one thing, maybe 99 can go wrong. Well, let's look at another study or report. This one has to do with a very common over-the-counter drug called acetaminophen or Tylenol. The use of Tylenol in pregnancy has now been tied to an increased risk of two problems, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, in children, as well as autism spectrum 
disorder. Among 996 mother-child pairs, those with higher levels of acetaminophen or Tylenol exposure measured through biomarkers and cord blood at delivery, the chances that offspring would be diagnosed later with ADHD or ASD, attention deficit disorder or autism, were significantly greater. This was a study that was published in the JAMA Psychiatry. It was done through John Hopkins University. Now, this is not the first study to link fetal exposure to acetaminophen or Tylenol to subsequent behavioral problems for children, nor the first linking this common pain medicine to ADHD, attention deficit disorder, or ASD, autism. The children were evaluated at a mean age of about 10, were diagnosed with ADD or autism or both. Just over 30% were diagnosed with other developmental disorders, and the remaining one-third were neurotypical. So that means out of 100% of the children, about maybe a third had attention deficit disorder or autism, and another third had some other developmental disorder, and another third were normal or okay. The mothers of children with attention deficit disorder or autism, for example, were more likely to have higher body mass indexes, meaning that they're overweight, feel stressed during pregnancy or report smoking or drinking before or during pregnancy compared to mothers who had neurotypical or normal children. On the other hand, children with attention deficit disorder or autism were more likely to be male, born preterm or early, and have lower birth weights than their neurotypical normal children counterparts. So be careful. If you're pregnant and you want to take a painkiller, there's really no drug known to man that has been tested to any degree on pregnant women and unborn children. But we do learn some things from time to time. And so if you're going to take things, you do it at your own risk because everything that you take affects your child. In this case, something as simple as over-the-counter Tylenol can contribute to a developmental disorder. Uh, now, it may be that this is not a one-time thing. Maybe they were taken on a regular basis. So some of that information is not available in the study. But for sure, when they gave birth, the Tylenol was in the mother's system. They were taking it for pain control because that's how they got their information. There's all kinds of things you can do to treat yourself when you're pregnant. But the safest of all for you and your children is, no question, homeopathic medicine. Homeopathic medicine is energetic medicine, and it works like magic, particularly in children and animals that have a much lower body weight than adult humans, but it works just fine in adult humans as well. It's excellent treatment for common colds, for allergies, for flu, and so on and so forth. All natural, available in sublingual tablets, drops, sprays, and so forth. I had a patient in my office the other day who was here to get something for anxiety. She'd run out of her anxiety medicine and she needed something to fill in the gap. We simply had her use a sublingual rescue remedy spray, which is made from Bach flower remedies. And guess what? Within a couple of minutes, she calmed down and felt perfectly normal. So you don't have to have a drug because remember, drugs have consequences. And depending on what the drug is, it can even stop your body from making what it needs to deal with whatever stress that you are experiencing. At least the homeopathic medicine is designed to work with your body, to help your body function more efficiently, naturally, without side effects. Well, talking about children, here's something else you need to know about. It has been found that children who have a high intelligence in their childhood years, such as IQ, have a reduced lifetime risk for the top causes of death, like heart disease, respiratory disease, stroke, dementia, and smoking-related cancers. This finding was recently published in the British Medical Journal. A group of University of Edinburgh researchers in Scotland sought to study the association between IQ scores, gauged at 11 years of age, and the top causes of death in people upwards of age 79. Now, this was the largest study centered on reporting the cause of death throughout the course of life. The findings show that lifestyle, especially smoking tobacco, is a critically important factor in the effect of IQ on differences in lifespan. The findings were derived from data taken from more than 33,000 men, over 32,000 women born in Scotland back in 1936. These same individuals took a childhood intelligence exam or IQ test at the age of 
11. Those who had a higher childhood IQ score enjoyed a decreased risk of death until the age of 79. Why might that be? Well, intelligent people tend to use their brain more, which means that you get more blood to your brain, more oxygen. So we need to think a whole lot more than we probably are because brains are very important. We reported on this program once before that the number one cause of death in the Great Britain countries is dementia. Dementia is actually number two because they broke down the cancers, but if you add the cancers up, they're really number one, but that still makes dementia number two, and that in itself is a cause for alarm. A high score in the childhood IQ test was tied to a 28% decrease in the risk of death due to respiratory or lung disease. A high score is associated with a 25% reduction in the risk of death induced by coronary or heart disease and a 24% reduction in the risk of death stemming from a stroke. Very interesting. There was no association between IQ score and death from cancers that did not relate to smoking, which otherwise means everybody that got cancer in this study uh, that smoked got a 100% correlation. Don't smoke. And use your brain. Remember, there's things you can do to help with your brain. This was known many years ago as part of an oxygen multi-step therapy developed by Manfred von Ardenne in East Germany, where he had patients inhale oxygen even while they were sitting. But every 15 minutes, they had to do some type of mental activity, such as work on a crossword puzzle. Using your brain increases blood flow to your brain and oxygenation and can help maintain that vital organ so that you can live a longer, healthier life. Now, there has been something else, a couple of other things that have been tied to a cognitive decline. Early stages of hearing loss. Your hearing is considered uh, normal, um, but it, when it declines, so does your brain function. Associations between hearing and cognition appeared stronger or equivalent in people with normal hearing than in people with hearing loss. Links between hearing loss and cognition have been reported many times in observational studies, but the question here was whether the relationship between hearing and cognition begins before people reach that kind of arbitrary 25 decibel threshold. In other words, if your hearing decreases by 25 decibels, that's considered a hearing loss that needs to be uh, needs some attention. Anything less than that is considered to be subclinical hearing loss. To investigate this, a team analyzed data from two United States epilogical or epidemiological studies, I should say. The sample included 6,451 people aged 50 or older. All participants had hearing assessments with pure tone audiometry and cognitive testing. Hearing loss was defined as a pure tone average exceeding 25 decibels. Subclinical hearing loss was between 1 and 25, or up to 24 decibels. And neurocognitive performance was measured in both groups by a digital symbol substitution test, as well as a measure of psychomotor and speed and attention. These were also evaluated. First, the researchers confirmed that people, what they had found before, as hearing gets worse, so does your cognition or your thinking. Researchers found that the relationship actually exists in people who had normal hearing as well, going up to 24 decibels, the borderline hearing loss. This was now noted to also be problematic. So, for every 10 decibel decrease, they found that the scores, the testing scores, decreased. This still raises the question whether the 25 decibel threshold to define adult hearing loss is too high. Apparently, it is, because if it's less, than, if it's more than 10 decibels, we're noticing a decrease in ability to function and perform. So, the outcome is we need to think a little bit more about hearing and its connection to our thinking and treat adults a little earlier. If you're losing your hearing and it's not due to hearing damage from loud noise, you need to think about getting it tested and you need to start using your brain. Those two are obviously connected because hearing is a result of the eighth nerve. It comes from your cranium. I'm Dr. Dan Royer. Listen to the Royal Treatment. We're going to continue our discussion when we come back from the break. So my friends, stay right with us. Can your own stem cells heal you? The miracle of life begins when an egg and a sperm unite. They form a single stem cell. Stem cells will keep dividing until directed by the body to become something else. Natural occurring stem cells can be found in all tissues of your body. Can your own stem cells help your body heal and repair itself? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702 562 
1454. Dr. Royal has developed the unique patent-pending process for obtaining stem cells from your own blood. Stem cells can be concentrated, prepared, and delivered to areas where you need them most to repair old, damaged, and dying cells. Can your own stem cells help your body heal and repair itself? Are you a cancer patient in remission who needs rejuvenation for optimal health and wellness? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Don't wait. Call today. That number again is 702-562-1454. Hey, Dr. Phil here. I help people solve difficult and trying personal problems every day on my TV show, but there's one problem that's just got me stumped. Childhood hunger. Nearly 16 million children in America struggle with it. That's one in five kids who may not know where their next meal is coming from, despite the fact that there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food out there to feed them all. Now, I don't know about you, but that is unacceptable to me. Luckily, the Feeding America network of good people is out there collecting surplus food and giving hope to hungry children and their families at local food banks all across the country. But let's face it, they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager. Learning the lingo. Today, I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying... That's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. This is America Matters Media on AM 1180 KCKQ. A Lotus Broadcast Station. The power of radio since 1967. Are you shy and don't want to talk on the air? Text us your questions or comments to 775-237-2266. Now back to the show. We're back to the show, and I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Tree, but thank you for staying with us in the fourth quarter of our show. We're going to review another study, and then I'd like to finish by talking about the relationship between Roundup, which contains glycophosphates, and its connection to colon cancer. We see a whole lot of that in people who are way too young to be getting colon cancer. Now, if you have a question for me, you can always reach out to me at droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. That's D as in Daniel, royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at royalmedicalclinic, all one word, dot com. droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. Or call me at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic here in Las Vegas, THB Clinic, 702-562-1454. That's 702-562-1454. Well, there's something else I want to share with you about your brain because we talked about some things that are connected to a decrease in your cognitive function. But what can we improve or do to improve our brain? Well, one thing is to avoid trans fats. People with higher blood levels of trans fatty acids were more likely to develop dementia in later years than people with lower levels. Now, this was a perspective study. That means a study that was done going forward in time that was conducted in Japan. Higher levels of elidic acid, a major trans fatty acid form when vegetable oils are partially hydrogenated, were significantly associated with a greater risk of developing all-cause dementia and Alzheimer's disease over a 10-year follow-up period. Remember, Alzheimer's is one type of dementia, but there's also Lewy's body's dementia and vascular dementia. These relationships remain significant after adjusting for calories consumed in saturated and polyunsaturated fatty acid intake. It was reported in the Journal of Neurology. The mechanism underlying the link between serum, elidic acid levels, and dementia are still unknown. Nutrition may be an important modifiable risk factor in dementia, but it has been notoriously difficult to identify the culprit components of diet that explain the association between unhealthy diet and 
dementia. Now, in the study, 1,628 men and women from the Hisayama study in Japan were ages 60 and older at baseline and free of dementia. Participants were followed for a meeting of 10.2 years and were screened for dementia. On average, people with higher elytic acid levels were younger and less likely to be men, current drinkers, or physically active. Blood pressure, total cholesterol, triglycerides, body mass index, and dietary intake of saturated fat increased with higher elytic acid levels, but total calorie intake did not. During the follow-up period, 377 participants developed all-cause dementia, 247 developed Alzheimer's disease, and 102 developed vascular dementia. Sweet pastries appeared to be the strongest contributor to elytic acid levels, followed by margarine, candies, caramels, croissants, non-dairy creamers, and ice cream. Because elytic acid is an exogenous fatty acid, it is essential to check the nutrition labels for zero trans fat and the ingredients list for no hydrogenated oils on the products that you buy. So let's look for no trans fats and no hydrogenated oils on the products that you buy. Healthier alternatives to place trans fats are unsaturated fats, such as monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. That includes olive oil and coconut oil. Research has shown that a healthy diet for the brain should emphasize consumption of vegetables, leafy greens, berries, whole grains, fish, poultry, nuts, and olive oil, and should limit red meat, fried foods, pastries, and sweets. So the take-home message is avoid trans fats. Use mm, monounsaturated fats possibly polyunsaturated fats. But be careful. What you consume is affecting your brain. And that has been well documented now in a Japanese study. Well, we want to look at glycophosphates because they affect your gut bacteria. Where do you get glycophosphates from? Well, one source is Roundup that is used throughout the world as a pesticide. You see it advertised on TV. But beware, gut bacteria play a pivotal role in shoring up your health and overall health. But the reverse is also true. When diet or environmental factors produce gut dysbiosis or an imbalance of the microbes that reside in your gastrointestinal tract, the imbalance can impact pathologies of many diseases. Colorectal cancer has now increased by 51% in Americans under age 50 since the 1990s. And researchers suggest that early life exposures may be contributing to the rise in that age group. A leading hypothesis is that gut dysbiosis is playing an active part, perhaps by disrupting young people's immune response and triggering overactivation of cell signaling proteins in the colon. Some researchers are even posited a bidirectional self-feeding relationship between the gut microbiome and colorectal cancer, with gut dysbiosis contributing to colorectal cancer growth and progression and tumor growth, in turn, disturbing the gut microbiome. In other words, there's a positive feedback loop going on. Scientists attribute up to 85% of colorectal cancers to environmental and microbial factors. Glyphosate, the leading ingredient of Roundup, is both an herbicide and a patented antimicrobial. I said earlier glycophosphate, I mean glyphosate. Could the upward trend in glyphosate usage that began roughly three decades ago have something to do with the skyrocketing incidence of colorectal cancer in young people? Well, recent core cases linking Roundup to cancer have focused mostly on other types of cancer, such as non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. The evidence that glyphosate wrecks habit or wreaks havoc with the gut bacteria has led many researchers to suspect that the answer is in fact Yes. Newsweek reported in 2016 that the world is awash in glyphosate. With the 15-fold increase in Roundup use since the mid-1990s, American agriculture sprays glyphosate on at least 70 food crops. As a result, glyphosate residues are now rampant in the U.S. food supply, including the processed Cheerios, Doritos, and Oreos, so frequently gobbled up by children and adolescents. Studies have documented and levels are concerning that glyphosate in American urine and breast milk have increased. One study of the U.S. adults found that average glyphosate levels in the urine increased by a factor of 13 over the two-decade period between 1993-96 and 2014-2016. And 7 out of 10 study participants had glyphosate levels above the levels or the limits, I should say, of detection. That means 70% of the people that were checked during these two-decade time periods were found to have detectable limits of glyphosate from 
roundup. Now, in the second period, the second decade period between 2014 and 2016, it was actually not 13 times higher, but 36 times higher than the detectable limit. Moms across America have reported high levels of glyphosate in three out of 10 breast milk samples tested. Overgrowth of opportunistic pathogens can lead to a breakdown of your gut lining and the development of what's known as leaky gut syndrome. Researchers describe the loss of gut barrier integrity as an early event which contributes to chronic inflammation. And they have observed both gut dysbiosis and a dysfunctional intestinal barrier in colorectal cancer patients. In July 2019, Children's Health Defense filed a lawsuit against Beechnut Nutrition Company, asserting that the company's labeling and marketing practices deceive parents who seek to be mindful of what is contained in the baby foods they provide their infants. Independent laboratory testing identified multiple synthetic pesticides, including glyphosate in Beechnut's natural line of baby food. The rising total of colorectal cancer deaths in young people who are in the prime of their life points to the urgent need to reset regulatory priorities and put people before profits. Glyphosate's deleterious effects on the gut microbiome, just one of many problems associated with the herbicide, are one more nail on the coffin for a toxic product that is well past its use date. Well, that's glyphosate. You get it from Roundup, and we get a lot of other pesticides through the air, the water, and the food. The fact that we're finding such high levels in foods that are so very common and eaten by so very many people is disconcerting. We already know that glyphosate from Roundup is associated with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now there's a strong association with colon cancer. Now there are things, of course, you can do to protect yourself. Of course, you can try to eat more naturally, but you can be detoxing every day. You can be drinking adequate water. The rule of thumb is if you weigh 200 pounds, that you drink two liters of fluid a day. It can be water, which helps to process things out. You can do coffee treatments where you're cleansing your colon and hydrating yourself as well as detoxifying your liver. And you can be breathing more deeply, good, clean air. People that have been found to live near a green space area or less industrialized live healthier and longer. So get out in nature more often. Exercise more frequently. Take advantage of finding ways to reduce your stress. All of these things help to improve your sense of emotional, mental, physical well-being. There are so many interesting things that we see in our medical practice. We're about to start a new project where we use plasma to treat older patients. I'm talking about plasma from younger people, but... There is a way to increase surface stem cells in the blood. Many of you may know this. We have a protocol here for doing it in our clinic, and we provide the patient with the product to increase surface stem cells so that we can use that as a type of stem cell treatment.